Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They take care of our air conditioning, and they'll do a great job for you. Just visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com, and give them a call. Also, by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have some great guests for today's show, including Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We've spent a lot of time with Andy today talking about our culture and uh, the deterioration of our culture, actually. And we'll visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. Uh, and its latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It is May the 19th, and on this day in 1897, the great writer Oscar Wilde was released from jail after two years of hard labor. His experiences in prison were the basis of his last work, The Ballad of Reading Gaul. Wilde was born and educated in Ireland. He studied at Oxford, graduated with honors in 1878, and remained in London. He became a popular society figure valued at dinner parties for his witty remarks. Embracing the late 19th century aesthetic movement, which embraced art for art's sake, Wilde adopted the flamboyant style of a passionate poet and self-published a volume of verse in 1881. He spent the following year in the United States lecturing on poetry and art. Wilde's dapper wardrobe and excessive devotion to art was parodied in Gilbert and Sullivan's operetta, Patience, in 1882. After returning to Britain, Wilde married and had two children. In 1888, he published a collection of fairy tales he wrote for his children. Meanwhile, he wrote reviews and became editor of Women's World. In 1891, his only novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, was published. He wrote his first play, The Duchess of Padua, the same year and wrote five more before his arrest. His most successful, of course, was The Importance of Being Earnest and Lady Windermere's Fan, all performed today. In 1891, the Marquess of uh, uh, Queensbury denounced Wilde as a homosexual. Wilde, who was involved with his Marquess's son, sued the Marquess for his for libel, but lost the case which, uh, when evidence supported the Marquess's allegations because homosexuality was considered a crime in England, Wilde was arrested, although his first trial resulted in a hung jury. The second uh, jury sentenced him to two years of hard labor. After his release, Wilde fled to Paris and began writing again. He died of acute meningitis just three years after his release. What a life. Oscar Wilde. What a talent also. Well, when the COVID-19 crisis came to our shores, some states uh, chose to embrace harsh lockdowns and heavy-handed government restrictions, while others prioritized personal freedom and economic vitality. Thanks to this natural experiment, uh, Americans got to vote with their feet and what worked best, and new data shows that lockdown-weary New Yorkers fled to one key free state, that's Florida. Florida might as well have been known as the sixth borough, the New York Post report reported. Under uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, much criticized leadership, Florida reopened schools and businesses and rejected lockdowns far earlier than most other states. It's experiencing a population bloom, boom with particular influx from New York. Now, this is good and bad news. Uh, I'm very concerned about who might be coming down here. Uh, you know, people end up uh, going through the same process, and we don't want to transform 
Florida and what was uh, now New York. New data from the Sunshine State's Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles offers the latest glimpse of just how many New Yorkers fled south during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Post uh, reports uh, that DMV show that roughly 33,500 New York residents swapped their driver's licenses for Florida documents from September 2020 to March 2021. That's a lot. There's 32% higher than the previous year, and far more of Florida new residents came from New York than any other state. Although, interestingly, the other top former state of Floridians included lockdown-heavy Illinois, California, and New Jersey. That is so interesting. So, uh, Florida is the state of choice. I would prefer that everybody who comes down here have to take a civics test and make sure that they qualify. So we don't have the problems that they have up there in, in uh, these states. Well, today in Atlanta, the great American patriot Vernon Jones is going to demand a comprehensive forensic audit of Georgia's 2020 election results. He released a tweet uh, yesterday inviting all Georgians to gather at, with him at Liberty Plaza in Atlanta. Some of the Internet believes that uh, Jones will be calling for a full forensic audit of the 2020 election in Georgia. Right now, we know that Georgia has over 330,000 ballots missing. their legally required chain of custody documentation, making them illegitimate. But Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger ignored the fact that ballots were illegitimate and included them in the final count, giving the election to Joe Biden. This is not accurate or fair. These ballots alone would award the state to its rightful winners. Don't forget that the two state Senate seats still were stolen in the state as well. Uh, that would include Purdue, for example. America is with you, Vernon Jones. Thank you for having the courage and integrity to demand fair and free elections in Georgia. Let's hope the people of Georgia show up for tomorrow or today uh, to show their support. I certainly support this effort. Now, you may be aware that uh, Maricopa County continues. <laughs> the, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors are doing all they can to stop the audit of the 2020 election by Arizona St Senate. Uh, they're begging for the Senate to stop for the good of the country. <laughs> that's, that's really desperate. But last week, they were claiming the auditors were inept. Today, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors are begging the Arizona Senate to stop their audit. But just last Friday, they, out of the blue, started a nasty Twitter campaign on the county's account called the uh, auditors. Uh, so they smeared the auditors with the auditors' Senate's forensic team with petty insults and complaints. The tweets are over the top, dirty, below the belt, and unprofessional, and hits towards the Arizona Senate and the auditors doing the job in the Senate. The five uh, board of supervisors are clearly sweating bullets and losing sleep over the predicament they've gotten themselves into. The problem for the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is that Senate auditors are so much more professional than the firms that the, uh, they wasted $100,000 on. So uh, this audit is going on, Maricopa County, and now uh, asking in Georgia for a full forensic audit. We know that that's happening in Wisconsin. Uh, there's a request for an audit as well in Michigan. I haven't heard anything yet from Pennsylvania, but uh, the walls are closing in. So interesting. The military is supposed to deliver an unclassified uh, report to Congress this month on UAP or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or what we call UFOs. Former Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe said in a recent interview that the findings will shock people because, they, frankly, there are a lot more sightings than have been made public. 
Lou Elianzo, uh, excuse me, Eli Zondo, uh, Zondo, yeah, former U.S. military official that led the U.S. government's a- effort uh, in, in to investigate UAP. Imagine a technology that can do six to seven hundred G forces. They can fly at 13,000 miles an hour. They can evade radar, and they can fly through air and water and possibly space. And, oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. So (laughs) very powerful intelligence there. Uh, Elizondo uh, on explanations for what people are witnessing. In some cases... There are simple explanations for what people are witnessing, but then there are some that uh, that, uh, that are not. We're not uh, just uh, simply j- uh, jumping to the conclusion that that's saying, oh, that's a UAP out there. We've gone through our due diligence. It's some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed, is, or is it some sort of high-altitude balloon that they're conducting renaissance with? Ultimately, when you have exhausted all those, and if ifs, and you still are left with the fact that this is our in our airspace and it's real, and it becomes compelling, and that's when it becomes problematic. <clears throat> problematic indeed. Every day, for at least a couple of years, these sightings have been going on, and they're flying in, the, in our airspace. Chris Mellon served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for President Clinton and George W. Bush, and was on the staff of the Senate Intelligence Committee. These vehicles seem to have unlimited loiter time, which we don't have. We're limited in terms of altitude, and it's hard to design something that functions well at the ground level, and that can go 60 or 80,000 feet up and then down to the deck or drop 20,000 feet. And as you know, it's like a straight vertical line in seconds. Then acceleration is beyond any, far beyond anything that we were capable of. Uh, sorry for the stopping and starting on this, but it's uh, this is... Uh, transcribed uh, from dialogue, there's nothing we can uh, build that would be strong enough to endure this amount of force and acceleration. Uh, it's unbelievable. So, uh, unidentified flying objects uh, have been around for years. We know that. And now they're coming clean. This paper is going to be coming out soon. And we'll ha- know exactly what's going on. What we can do about it, I have no idea. Fortunately, they're not attacking us. Uh, more than four years before Maricopa County uh, Sheriff Paul Penzone used his law enforcement credibility to resist subpoenas to the Arizona State Audit of the county's general election he was running for office he now holds, crucial to the De- Democrats' victory over the incumbent Republican Joe Arpaio, remember him? A $2 million uh, from progressive mega-donor George Soros helped to fund his campaign. And now that he's doing everything in his power to run interference uh, for the Board of Supervisors. That's okay. We'll overcome that as well. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I hope you'll visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So uh, we typically, on our interviews on Wednesdays, we talk about what's happening in our culture. What's what's uh, attracting your attention right now? Well, right now, <clears throat> excuse me, Bob, uh, coming from New York, uh, I am a theater person, and I, I spent uh, a lot of, lot of good evenings down in the New York uh, City theater. Uh, de Blasio has now said the New York theaters can reopen, of course, with, with social distancing. So it's almost impossible for the theater to operate without a full capacity crowd. And so if we're, if they're moving into uh, moving people six feet apart, that cannot happen. Some of the statistics on the New York theater are just really, I, I think, surprising. The, the average income of a New York City theater goer is $261,000. That's the average income of a New York City theater goer. Wow. The average price of a ticket is $150 for a ticket. Now, if they, in fact, have to eliminate perhaps one-third to one-half of the seats in a theater, then those, those ticket prices, excuse me, I'm a little hoarse this morning, are, are going to have to go up accordingly. So I think uh, with the theater district having been closed already for 14 months, uh, it, I wait, it waits to be seen whether the theater district can ever resurrect itself and become a, uh, the artistic center of New York as it was. And uh, to me, that, again, is a strong indication of a cultural decline 
I think the theater district of New York was one of the, the proudest statements of America in terms of its, its artistic offerings. And uh, I, I don't think that's going to, I don't think it's going to come back, at least not in the next few years, Bob. That's just uh, another thing out of New York before I leave New York is the uh, attorney general of New York has now moved the investigation of the Trump organization into criminal charges, criminal investigation, at least um, this uh, this process be, be, becomes a bit ominous in its implication. Uh, they're certainly not letting go of the, the attacks on on citizen Trump. Now, whether or not this comes to uh, fulfillment, of course, that always waits to be seen. But uh, if we're talking about criminal action against the the Trump organization, the implications, I, I think, are are significant. So l- let me just stop there for a second and uh, see if you have any thoughts. Well, I do have some thoughts. I mean, it, it's really concerning. It, also, uh, we have the, our congressman down down here, uh, Getsu, who is a uh, it's you know the the formula for this is once once the attorney general gets your, his sights on you he's going to find something and typically how this works is they end up getting somebody uh, pleading to uh, f- to a deal and then singing or or orchestrating or or creating uh, a story to uh, implicate people like President Donald Trump it's very sad indeed it's not it's got nothing to do with uh, justice. It, uh, I, I'm concerned about h- how this might play out. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now with the Trump investigation. There is a, uh, a former uh, inner person who is, in fact, uh, revealing, as, as the word would be, uh, information about the, the Trump organization in terms of overpricing or underpricing property based on the particular need at a moment. That seems to be the major focus of this. And, and that is a legal, a criminal type of situation. So uh, as you're indicating, Bob, uh, I think almost anything can be can be created at, once there's pressure put on to, uh, to uh, discuss these things. And especially if the alternative to that person's willingness, their willingness to discuss these is criminal charges against them. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's a blackmail leverage against these people. And it's, inevitably it is successful now whether or not this will lead to direct action against trump uh, president trump ex-president trump that waits to be seen i i think it would be a a dramatic moment a dire moment i would say for america if there was ever criminal indictment charges brought against the ex-president i agree with you so and and back to gets too i mean the, he's uh he's being charged I think he'll be end up being charged down in Florida. And again, it's the same type of situation where somebody sings, uh, uh, pleads for a lesser uh, charge, and uh, ends up implicating, for example, uh, Getz. This is how they. This is now how the uh, Democrats are going after their enemies. Well, I, I think that can also be extended to the the current pressure now for a January sixth commission mm-hmm. uh, coming out of out of uh, Pelosi and the House and Congress in general. Uh, after the time since January 6th, there's probably been never anything uh, given more uh, Democrat-focused, media-focused than the uh, than the uh, the situation that occurred on January 6th. To, to suggest we need a 9-11-style commission to investigate this, yeah. uh, again, is going to lead into the same type of situations that you're describing. Uh, if we look at the 16,000 hours of footage uh, that exists of that uh, of that moment in, on January 6th, uh, very little of it has been released to the public. The only thing the public has seen is those, those very tightly uh, scripted or excerpts uh, that would indicate exactly what the Democrats want the public to see. Uh, I saw an excerpt last night on, on Fox 
that showed many of the people in the Capitol building talking to police and demanding that, that the, their, their followers be peaceful, do nothing, do not damage anything. Those type of uh, videos are not being shown to the general public. Yeah. A January 6th commission uh, spearheaded by, by Pelosi and her, and her people uh, would certainly lend itself uh, to serious types of manipulations of information leading into, I think, ultimately their intent criminal charges once again against Donald Trump. Yeah, just taking a step back, it's just really pathetic to see what's happening to our culture and to our uh, to the United States of America right now. It's very sad to, uh, on all fronts, whether it's inflation, whether it's the economy, uh, whether it's uh, Green New Deal nonsense, whatever it might be. It's just very pathetic to see how, how this is all being orchestrated and how it's coming down. And again, as as always, Bob, I do not want to be unduly uh, pessimistic. You 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 know that that is, I guess, my inclination in in, in the modern America. But uh, I think it's impossible to avoid when we look at the institutional world of America, whether it's governmental, corporate, media, entertainment, education, uh, across the broad expanse of institutional America, uh, everything is going in a a wrong direction. I'm going to call it a Marxist direction is probably other words we can put to it, but certainly that is a word that applies. What we're seeing now uh, is a Marxist type of of, uh, of process uh, laid out very clearly in Marxist doctrine uh, as to how you take over a culture and subsequently an entire society, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. And we have so much more to talk about. Andy, can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, 
and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check out choicesocial.us on the web. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we have continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus Vaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Hey, I understand you have some concern about EMPs, or electromagnetic pulses. Well, it's become sort of a, uh, a doomsday story, and I think that diminishes its, its implication. EMPs, electromagnetic pulse, uh, uh, impacts on our, let's say, our electric grid, but it would affect uh, other things also. Uh, in the past, I've read several books by uh, Dr. Peter Pry. I saw him recently uh, uh, on Fox, so that uh, sort of resurrected my, uh, my, uh, my awareness of EMPs. Uh, it's quite surprising to me, Bob, to consider we, how much time and energy we give to the theoretical dangers of climate change, whereas the danger from EMP is essentially being ignored. Now, uh, Peter Pry, Dr. Peter Pry, has tried to set up this warning for years, uh, and EMP can happen tomorrow. It does not require a, uh, an advanced state of technology. It can be done with a, uh, an upper atmospheric uh, uh, high megaton blast of, a, of an atomic weapon. Uh, that one of those in the eastern seaboard could knock out the, the seaboard. If it would happen nationwide, it's estimated that in one year, 90% of the American population would die from starvation and, and other uh, disease-based uh, disease circumstances. So here we have a situation that could happen tomorrow. There's nothing essentially standing in the way of that happening uh, other than somebody choosing to do it. And yet we have not taken any action to harden our electric grid uh, against this implication. Now, uh, that all sounds like a doomsday scenario. I'm afraid it pretty much is when you mm -hmm. have something with that potential and it is not being protected or defended against at this point. To me, that should be a point of, of concern, Bob. It certainly should, and uh, just the fact that we're ignorant of it doesn't make it any less uh, of a threat. In fact, Larry Bell wrote a great book about cyber, uh, cyber warfare, and uh, we, he literally, his conclusion is we're uh, in a rock fight uh, living in a glass house. So we're very, very vulnerable. And Larry Bell is always is, is right again. If we look even at the cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, uh, certainly it does not have to be an EMP. If there could be a comparable seizure of the electric grid of a, of a like nature, that could uh, create the, the same p potential. So, um, and again, I, I, I'm not a doomsday uh, prophet here, uh, but again, we, we take such extraordinary steps uh, to protect us against the what I regard as the theoretical event of a of a, of a climate change uh, dilemma, and here we're ignoring this this enormous uh, danger to America. Bob. So that that always surprises me when that kind of dichotomy uh, exists. Yeah, or, or you know that that kind of a threat exists, and we're walking around in mass. <laughs> it's kind of great. Yeah, I, I heard Rachel Maddow say uh, the other day, or maybe maybe even yesterday, that uh, she has to get herself rewired. 
to uh, to about the mask. She, right. She's developed a psychological problem where whenever she sees somebody without a mask, she she thinks they're they're dangerous. She thinks they're uh, they're a villain. And uh, that, I've heard that from many people on the left that they cannot even not wear their masks. There is a psychological need at this point to have that mask and, and to regard other people without them as being a danger to their lives. Oh, yeah. so, what, if I take my mask off, somebody might think I'm a conservative. <laughs> well, <laughs> yesterday I did a brave thing. I went into Publix without my mask on. I put it in my pocket just in case I was challenged. I did not want to be bare in, the, in, in Publix. Yeah. That's so funny. So, uh, Andy, I understand you've read a book that I've not even heard of, but you've, uh, you're saying great things about it. It's called Irresistible Revolution by Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. Uh, any comments? Well, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Matthew Lohmeyer uh, uh, is a unit commander for the Space Force created by President Trump. Uh, an outstanding young man. He's a ex-fighter pilot, graduate of the uh, Air Force Academy, and uh, just, just a, a re- remarkable uh, career in the military at this point, even as a fairly young man. Um, he has been removed from command in the Space Force by the actions of uh, Defense Secretary uh, Austin, uh, primarily because there's a, as Austin indicated, there was a, a, a failure of confidence in his command ability. Now, what that amounts to is um, Lohmeyer published a book, self-published a book, but it's uh, the number one seller, one of the next, uh, number one bestsellers of its type at Amazon, a book called Irresistible Revolution. Uh, I bought this up because of my interest in the general circumstance. And I found, Bob, that uh, as far as a book written by a military man, this is perhaps the best book I've ever read in terms of quality, uh, in terms of its content. Huh. Uh, what Lohmeyer uh, does in that book is he talks about the uh, the politicization of the, no, I'm, let me take that word back, not the politicization, but the, uh, the ideological contamination of the military uh, through indoctrination training uh, in, in the military training programs, essentially built around Marxism and critical race theory and 1619 uh, uh. type of concepts. Now, Austin attacked that as being politicization. Why, that's why I withdrew the word. Uh, in other words, Austin is saying that uh, to you to challenge the Marxism that's being indoctrinated into our military forces aligns itself with the Democrat Party. In other words, what Lohmeyer is saying is he's just talking about ideologies. What Austin is saying by removing him from position is those ideologies are ideologies of the Democrat Party. That would be Marxism, critical race theory, and the 1619 Project. So we have with Lohmeyer, I think, another example of a uh, not only a, a, a culture going bad, but very specifically, Bob, uh, a, a serious implication for the for the readiness of our of our military. You can only imagine if, if our young troops going in and even our more senior troops are being educated to accept this Marxist doctrine, which includes the uh, the really the rejection of traditional America. Uh, are they going to be ready to put their lives on the line to defend it? I, I, I don't know that. Wow. Uh, to me, the, the readiness of our military forces in general uh, has to be seriously questioned. And uh, so I think this is a, a, a serious cultural issue when we see a, a very fine gentleman like uh, an, an officer like Lohmeyer 
uh, being removed from position. Now, he didn't lose rank, nor was he taken out of the service. But there was a specific action taken by Austin to remove him from his command position. So uh, the book should be read, Irresistible Revolution. He starts out with a, a history of the, the American Republic, its values. He does an excellent job. He just doesn't use cliches. He really does a, a wonderful job specifically defining the origins of American values. Uh, and then he goes into the, the Marxist uh, impact within the, within the military. And he does so in, a, in a, a very intelligent and very, very articulate manner. It is a book, one of the, the few books that I would say is should be required reading for any American trying to understand the nature of what is happening culturally and what is happening specifically in the military. Now, let me get one of those thought before I move on. Um, Austin is also appointed uh, as his uh, counter-extremism um, uh, 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 operative, I guess the word is, um, Bishop Garrison, uh, who is, whose job is to purge the military. Uh, Bishop Garrison has a long history of, of anti-white remarks that uh, go, go way back in his, in his sordid career. So here you have Austin, Secretary of Defense, appointing Bishop Garrison to purge the military uh, of, of counter-extremism. And uh, I think that is another implication of what's going to be happening in the military. And I think subsequently across the broad expanse of, of the government and uh, America itself. Uh, that is such a sad commentary. Uh, and it, think about this too. They're, they're studying critical race theory, this uh, 1619 project, and you go on and on. They're simply trying to uh, indoctrinate our military. In the meantime, we started this conversation about the EMPs and the possible and the threats that we have. This guy was a, in a command position in the Space Force, correct? I mean, that, yes. that uh, to me, uh, how, how, how can we focus on this nonsense when we have real threats surrounding us where the Space Force can actually address those threats? Yeah, I, I don't know, Bob. If we look at, uh, at China, China is not uh, involved with this, this kind of nonsense. China is uh, pushing ahead with their technologies. They have a significantly merit-based system for, uh, for advancement in the, in the Chinese economy. Uh, I'm not lauding China per se or the government per se, but I am saying America is so distracted by nonsense right now right. that it's hard to imagine over any given uh, limited period of time even that China will not, not move past this, which uh, brings me perhaps immediately to, an, to another point uh, somewhat related to this. Um, China is uh, offering significant help to Africa in terms of developing their energy resources. Now, energy, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Africa projects uh, doubling their energy demand by 2030. Uh, China is going in and China is uh, promoting the building of and financing the building of, of coal-powered plants. Now, the United States is refusing to be involved with that process as a, uh, as a subset requirement of the Paris uh, Climate Accords. In other words, no international financing can be used to finance uh, fossil fuel development. So here you have Africa, a country desperate, a continent trying to remove itself from the, uh, from the economic deprivations that have kept it in poverty for its entire existence. What they need is energy. What the United States and the rest of Europe, for example, is saying is we really can't help you unless you move into renewable energies. There is no possible way that renewable energy can supply the immediate energy of Africa's needs. So China goes in, and at the end of the day, 
Who are the Africans going to to turn to for help? Who are they going to turn to uh, for support? Who are they going to give their support to in terms of their resources? I think they'll turn to China because China, and I hate to say this, China has earned the respect and the commitment of Africa to a relationship in the future. Whereas Europe and America, the West in general, has totally turned their back on it by sticking with rigid climate change-based ideologies that just will not help Africa escape from its poverty. Well said, Andy. Well, listen, we've got so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Yes, I can. All right, we're going to have more here on the uh, Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get so many great programs. One is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative going against the tide, though, of course, this administration. I hope you find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. So, Andy, I, I, I want to touch, uh, uh, continue our conversation by bringing up the topic of Israel. What are your thoughts? Well, I think there's a relationship uh, of Israel and its values to America. I've always regarded uh, Israel as a as a sister state of, of America. I think, in my estimation, it's perhaps uh, one of the finest countries in the world, if not the finest country in the world, uh, other than America, as it was, if I might. 
Uh, right now, I think Israel's uh, life is under more threat uh, than any time it was since 1973. Hmm. If we look even at the, the city of Lod, Israel, there's uh, in the streets rioting, uh, burning of, of Jewish businesses, burning of synagogues that is taking place in uh, in Lod, which is just south of Tel Aviv, and <clears throat> there's a rioting going on in many cities in Israel. Uh, I'm not even immediately alluding to uh, another issue, which obviously most people are aware of, is the, the rockets coming in from Gaza fired by Hamas. Hundreds, if not thousands, of rockets coming in. Now, these aren't just some of these uh, uh, fireworks missiles of, that they used to use at one point in time. Hezbollah had fired in hundreds of those, and they were they were essentially of, of limited impact. These are These are... Uh, serious missile. These are medium-range missiles, ballistic missiles uh, that can cause serious damage. And uh, uh, Hamas is lobbing in hundreds and, again, perhaps even thousands of these. Um, I would say that America has to take note of exactly what has happened in Israel. Israel has, perhaps, if I might say, they've been too confident. They've given a lot of allowances to their to their Arab populations. They tried to give as much freedom um, uh, to to the Arab population to function as as is possible, and right now at this point, uh, it's coming back. To, I think to bite them. So I think Israel is going to have to take certain measures. I know they're uh, they're using certainly um, aircraft attacks on on Gaza, which is totally appropriate. Israel cannot allow itself to be uh, to be attacked. Uh, I think it's been pointed out by I heard the uh, former. Uh, uh, Minister to the United States uh, talking about from Israel, uh, suggesting how would America feel if, if missiles were being lobbed in to America from Mexico or Canada? How would we react? Yeah. And that's exactly what, what's happening. Now, with all of that happening, with rioting in the streets of Israel, with missiles being lobbed in against Israeli citizens, both Arab and Jewish, uh, the world is once again attacking Israel as being the uh, the causal factor in this process. Uh, if anything, I think it's been Israel's uh, laxity in, in really addressing the problems that exist uh, because they've had a confidence that their technologies and their military could deal with anything. At this point, Bob, I think those technologies and that military, the IDF, is, is going to be tested to a limit. And this is not over in Israel yet. And uh, they're calling for ceasefires. Um, that waits to be seen. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that this can just be ignored. You can't just have uh, an enemy firing missiles into your country and just reach a ceasefire with no retribution being extracted. Bob. Well, I must say there there is the, I forgot what they call it, the Iron Dome or whatever it is that uh, intercepts. Uh, the missiles that are coming in. So there is limited damage. There is some, but limited damage coming into uh, Israel. I'm a little bit more uh, optimistic about the situation in Israel. Quite frankly, there, I think there's surgical strikes in, uh, are working. And, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, 9.3 miles of uh, tunnels being imploded. And ex I, I, you know, God knows how many uh, uh, Hamas were, were in the uh, tunnels, but, you know, I think uh, Israel is strong, and uh, they have huge capability. They're not; they're, they're showing great restraint right now. I guess is, is my conclusion. Well, I wish I could put myself into your optimistic head, Bob. You know, <laughs> so I could I could feel the same joy yeah. that you do. <laughs> okay. Hey, before I let you go, I do want to talk about uh, Ron DeSantis, and they, quite frankly, the attacks that are being leveled towards him for all the great things that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, um, I just want to say one last thing about uh, about Israel and uh, and so forth. And uh, for example, Turkey has already offered to help 
um, the uh, uh, Palestinians. Um, uh, Jordan, uh, theoretically a friend of Israel, has also offered help uh, to to Hamas. So I think, and if these things actually come to fruition, I think that uh, then the story is yet to be told in terms of, of what is going to happen right now. The things you pointed out are certainly sources of optimism, but uh, the, the rioting goes on, the missiles go on, and certainly, I think, as you said, uh, I think they have to amplify their their uh, responses to these things. And if so, I think they can they can maintain their their integrity. Uh, if not, then uh, we have to wait to see what happens, Bob. Exactly. So, to DeSantis, what are your thoughts? Well, there's two uh, two different uh, Senate bills that I'll, I'll allude to. One is first the. Uh, Senate Bill 146, which is called the Action Civics Bill, and it, it sounds very good. It's a bill that would uh, authorize and encourage uh, high school students in select high schools to essentially, uh, I mean, I just call it become politically active, to focus on individual topics and uh, to address those topics in an action phase. And uh, action phase uh, can be uh, presumed to mean uh, going out protesting and, and doing those type of things that we've seen so often uh, coming from students. Now, this on the surface sounds good. It's It will be good, in fact, if it can be uh, removed from the uh, impact of, of Democrat or leftist influence. Now, uh, can that happen? That waits to be seen. So my concern with SB 146 is, though, although the intent was good, uh, the, the, the process of trying to uh, bring young people into a, an, an active mindset is good, uh, on the other hand, knowing the Democrats and knowing how they infiltrate these type of programs, I think it lends itself to a possible uh, politicization, ideological politicization of uh, of our high school students in Florida. So that's yeah. a concern without it being something that I can actually, I actually know will happen, but it's certainly a concern. Yeah. The other uh, is SB 90, which is the Florida legislation that would uh, produce a, a voting process that uh, not only uh, could be handled by by every voter. There's no doubt that the the model for voting in Florida would be uh, per perfectly acceptable to any any voter. Uh, but it would also maintain the integrity, the legality of the vote. Now, having said those things, I think it's obvious that there'd be no problem voting. There'd be uh, very little chance of a of a loss of integrity to that vote. Yet DeSantis, of course, is being uh, widely attacked by, by the national press and everybody on the left. So I, I think there's a couple of reasons for this. This is a, a general uh, approach the left always has to use when, uh, when somebody is trying to make the vote legal. Uh, that is the something they always push, push back against. That's one thing. The other thing is I think they see DeSantis as the 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 front runner for the de for the Republican nomination in 2024 so i think they're already priming their propaganda pumps against DeSantis so those two things but uh, DeSantis continues to uh, keep on keeping on he keeps doing a great job he doesn't let anyone get in his way he's, and i don't mean that in a negative way obviously i mean that if there's something that's good and it has to be done ron DeSantis does his best to ensure it's done. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I, I wish we had more time, Andy. Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. I genuinely appreciate very interesting commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk soon, Bob. All right, thank you. Coming up, uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, author of uh, so many books. His uh, uh, latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of several books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. He also wrote a book on cyber warfare. I don't have the exact name of it here, but we've been talking about that a lot today. Uh, I encourage you to check out his column. You can find it on uh, Newsmax.com. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have you on, Professor. So, I, you know what? I had a change of heart. I asked you which column because you had a couple that you've done this week, and uh, I'd like to talk about the column, America, We've Got Termites. I think it's so inclusive and interesting. Uh, tell us about it. Okay, yeah, the, uh, it's kind of a bad news, good news story. You know, I think the uh, it's kind of a situation where you're, Realizing you got little, you know, little spots all over your 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 floor and your windows, and your and you notice that uh, you know there's a lot of uh, rotten wood in your home, you yeah. know, and it's kind of from the top to the bottom and bottoms to the top, and and uh, and, and and you know it's it's worse than you thought, and. Uh, you know, the good news is you realize you got termites, yeah. and you can you can do something about it, and uh, and hopefully before it's too late. And I look at the 
hopefully the uh, midterms, which are coming up next year, congressional midterms is kind of a, a fumigation <laughs> opportunity uh, where we, as we look at uh, you know, the destruction of, uh, and, I, and to me the, the, the termites are little Marxists that can do an awful lot of damage, and I think already have. When we look at the infestation and invasion of of the universities, and uh, in which which was one of their first assaults, and uh, with uh, the critical race theory and uh, the wokeness and the political correctness and so on, and, and of course it, uh, we, we've seen it with the with the media, and uh, and they've been very active and. Uh, and in, in connection with that and cooperation with that, we see it with the globalist businesses and and the cancel culture with the social media, which is yeah, which has you know, gotten uh, pretty incredible. So, and we look at it uh, really across our society, our culture, our values, and it's very. It's very alarming, and uh, of course, we wonder. Well, what can we what can we do about this? Is mm-hmm. it is it too late? Uh, and I I uh, I think there's still a lot of hope. I think we're I think we're going to prevail over this, and we need an, a wake up call. And uh, certainly, we're getting it on every front. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, I'm really optimistic. I think, as I've written before in, in other columns, that uh, as we look at these issues, I think that uh, our our true American values are on the side of of righteousness on all of them, and and righteousness will prevail. Yeah, it's, I think you're reminding me, and uh, I think back to, for example. Uh, President uh, Washington, he wasn't president at the time, he was the uh, commander-in-chief of the forces back uh, during the American Revolution on the, on the banks of the Delaware River. Just think about what he was up against <laughs> and, and, what, and, uh, and how he prevailed. I think about the founders of the Constitution and, and the people and, and the commitment they made. Many of them ended up bankrupt uh, in order to, to uh, work to save this nation or to get the nation started. We've been in dire straits before, and you're just reminding me that uh, you know we just all need to be the change that we want. In other words, be active, be vocal, and uh, there's again 75 million of us at least out there that uh, that uh, do not want to see us go down this uh, this rat hole of uh, of Marxism. So uh, you're right. I mean, there there are reasons for optimism. Well, you mentioned Washington. You mentioned. Of course, we look at our history, and it's it's been one of uh, some very valiant and determined people with you know with their backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. But we've never had a war really on, on our soil. We've never, yeah, we had nine eleven. We had uh, we've had other other uh, crises and so on. But but it was never really we never suffered a, a Hiroshima. We never suffered. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a world under under Hitler and so on, and 
I think we've been very complacent. You know, we, we've, we, and I get, I get, I have a couple of very close friends, one from Romania and the other from Russia. My Russian friend, all of his, his uncles were, were killed by Stalin and, and his, his grandfather was his, my reason his father survived is his father was only a child at the time. And he said, Larry, don't we see what's happening in this country? I came here to this country uh, as a country of freedom, and, and can't we see what's happening? I hear the same from, from my my friend from Romania, and she says, uh, you know, we had to talk in muffled tones and keep the water running because we were being, you know, people were listening to us and, uh, and so on, and we haven't we haven't really witnessed that we've been we've been very complacent mm-hmm. and meanwhile the termites are, are gnawing away and uh, and I think you know we we've needed we needed something t- to wake us up and uh, it's not just on domestic issues we're seeing I think uh, the White House and administration being very sorely tested on the you know, on the international scene and we, and we see what's happening and in Israel, we see what's happening with, uh, I think, the, the, you know, the, the Chinese, I should say the Chinese Communist Party and their incursions in the South China Sea and their threats against, you know, against uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan and, and their own Uyghur populations and so on. And, and uh, you know, we desperately need to wake up and we, of course, we think, well, these sorts of things can never affect us because, because they're across the ocean. Well, we realize there's there's no distance when it comes to an internet hack on our pipeline. Right. There are no international boundaries. They they occur at the speed of light. So uh, we've got a lot of reasons to wake up. And we do, and uh, to your point, I mean, the evidence of termites is everywhere. I mean, <laughs> on every front. And and now, you know, they just tell blatant lies. The border is closed. Don't worry about it. I mean, it, to just make these comments like this and expect us, you know, I, I feel in some ways I've, I kind of makes me laugh because I think he can't possibly think that we're going to believe this stuff. But I'm concerned that many people do. So to your point, it's it's a wake-up call, and uh, I think the American people will prevail because it, uh, the American character is strong, and it is unique in the world, quite frankly. So, you know, this has been an uplifting conversation, Professor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. I want to remind our listeners, the name of the book is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read, and I just encourage you to get a copy. Uh, I got it on my iPad, so it, uh, it's a great read. What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional by Professor Larry Bell. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. Keith Flaw is, a, is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Shavit Rootman is going to be with us. He's in the Special Forces in Israel, and he's got an important message for us. I look forward to that discussion about what's happening right now in Israel and Palestine. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be with us, as well as the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, as well. Mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. I always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>